kick off your boots and put down your hunting knife. It's time for the Outdoor Man Podcast with the man himself, Outdoor Man Dan. Join us for fun stories, useful how-tos, and insights into what being an outdoorsman means today and what it may mean in the future. From ethical hunting and conservation to new stories to tell around the fire. Let's get into today's show with your host, Outdoor Man Dan. This week's episode is with Ollie Primal Pursuit over in New Zealand, doing some absolutely amazing stuff, living the life that I want to be living, to be honest. Before we jump into the episode, don't forget to check out this week's sponsors with Sam from Study Shooting. I say it every week, he would literally sell you anything. If you want something you want to go hunting or anything in the world, in the UK, whatever, hit him up and I'm sure he'll look after you. And of course, V Tactical, again, who look after me a lot with some random kit that I ask for. Like I always say, it's military stuff normally, but he loves a challenge. So check them out, annoy them. They love a a private message and uh, see what they can do for you. So cool, Ollie, thank you for doing this. It was nice you you actually approached me, which is always a good one. Like, you know, I'm always sort of scratching around for guests and various bits and pieces interesting people to talk to. So it's always good for someone to approach me. So, uh, yeah, thanks for doing it. No, all good. Cheers having me on. Yeah. So the first things first, how did it all start? Well, uh, a few years ago, but now about seven years ago, I was working on super yachts, as a few people do. Uh, you might have had a few friends or acquaintances, but um, it was an explorer super yacht, so worldwide traveling. And um, the owners of this, uh, it was a 50-metre motor yacht. They were just mad keen spear fishermen, chasing world records and just, yeah, full on. Pros, um, amazing breath holds, yeah, very experienced divers. So, um, got thrown in the deep end. Part of my job was to take them out spear fishing, and we were chasing big pelagics, tuna, marlin, just anything. So, um, had to learn fast, um, yeah, on the job, and it was good though, yeah, very good experience. Um, watching other people shoot fish mostly to start with, but um, learnt the whole um, setups of spear guns and all the equipment side of it, which a lot of people don't learn straight away. They go to a freediving course or just jump in the water. That's one thing that's not widely taught is actually how to use the gear and, and whatnot. Yeah, so it was a good start. A little bit like myself, I um, saw spear fishing. I actually did an episode with um, Frenchman. I don't know if you've seen him on Instagram. I was like, yeah, this is cool. I've got to get amongst this. And then literally bought all the gear didn't have a clue, you know, about anything. And then, like, because I do triathlon and bits and pieces, I thought a wetsuit's a wetsuit. So I'll just I'll try it on, see how it fits, and couldn't get in, I couldn't physically get in the suit. I'm like, it's all sticky. I mean, people must be able to get into it because I've seen it, but how? And then and then from that, started the Googling, the YouTubing, and it sort of rolled on to how. Years later, yeah, you're good to go. Yeah, they, um, the old open. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the suit was wet on the inside by the time I'd finished because I'd sweated so much trying to get the damn thing on, you know. So I yeah, yeah. got halfway in and all stuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the complete unknown to um, people who, yeah, haven't been into the freedom and spearfishing, but, yeah, awesome suits, eh? Comfy and warm. They're ever so warm. A lot warmer than my, um, my tri-suit, to be honest, my tri-wet suit, to be honest. it's And I'm a wimp when it comes to the water as well, like cold. I need, I need to take an extension lead and a three-bar heater with me to keep me warm, you know. Oh, we all are, man. Other people just, yeah, say they aren't, but, yeah, nobody likes to be cold. Tip Wim Hof. Did you do any um, any free dive course, anything like that? Yeah, after about three or four years, I was working in a spearfishing retail store here in New Zealand, so ended up jumping on the courses and helping out with the free dive courses and learning the more technical safety side and everything, so found out I was doing 
basically all swimming techniques, duck dive, you name it. I thought I was a pro, you know, after four years in my own eyes. Basically back to square one, so that was a really good learning curve. And especially with the safety stuff, yeah, I had no idea. I just came back to New Zealand, bought my kit, quit the yachts and just went went full into it. I'd drive a couple of hours every weekend and just diving anywhere I could and by myself. Anyways, I'm here. How do you find the diving by yourself? Oh, I love it and I still do it. Yeah, I know it's a big uh, debate out there with the, the free dive and spearing community, safety-wise, and mostly frowned upon. But um, yeah, I don't recommend it to people, but I absolutely love it. And um, I still do most of my diving by myself. Yeah, just it's my um, time by myself and um yeah it's kind of a form of meditation let the mind go and and you can do what you want if you don't like the spot you move and there's no one to uh yeah debate with yeah no 100 percent, and that's um that's what i like about it and the best thing that I, like in the uk i mean i don't know i, I think it's the same in uh, that well most countries is you don't need permission to go anywhere so you can just head out and go and like i said it's for pure mind space you just get in the water there's nothing apart from what you're doing and you can forget about it. And that's the same with me with the fly fishing. You know, I can go stand at the lake and just stand there and cast and become numb in the mind and just... Yeah, everyone needs their own own time. I reckon it's really good for everyone. So, yeah, and there's no um, there's no waiting around for your, your mates at the boat ramp or the car turning up late. So you're just into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to go here. Now, but this spot's better. Yeah, but don't get me wrong out with people as well. But, um, yeah. And it's needs must as well. You know, if you want to go out and there's no one to go except work or whatever, then... You... Just got to go on with it, haven't you? Yeah, it's often an excuse by people. Oh, I don't, didn't have anyone to go with today. So, um, yeah, if you can kind of get used to doing a few by yourself, then there's, there's really um, one excuse less anyways not to get out. Yeah, it's a, it's a common excuse I hear. I'm booked to do a spearfishing, not for a spearfishing, a free dive course in May. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Yeah, good stuff, man. Change, yeah. If it's shallow water, you know, sort of four, five metres, I'm happy. You know, I drop down, I'm quite relaxed, everything else. But get beyond that, and I start to get a little bit stressed. And my equalisation could be better. It's just a combination of a few things. And, you know, the course will let me go down to 15 metres, which I don't want to do. But if I'm going at 15, but I need to go at 10, happy days. I can just be a lot more relaxed. I've got better bottom time. I'm going to enjoy myself more. Yeah, they're awesome, man. It's really like a um, a good mental just test, which you can refer to. Like, I... I as I dive a lot by myself, I'm never pushing it anywhere near my limits. So I'm actually not progressing that fast. And I, my breath hold is much the same as it's been the last few years, as well as my depth. But I have pushed the limits on the course with, uh, you know, trained professionals around me. And so I do know I can go that much deeper and hold my breath that much longer. So just when you're out in the in the actual ocean, yeah, you can refer back to that and go, no, I can... I'll be all right, you know, if you had pushed it a bit deeper and stuff. So, yeah. Did your breath hold improve when you did, after you'd done the course? Yes, yes, it did. I mean, it's you'll do a static and stuff, like a static breath hold in a pool, which doesn't really relate to much. It doesn't help you out. It more, it's more just a mental thing, help you with toughness. But um, I found that one of the most useful things is actually like doing your recovery safety breaths when you come up to the surface. It, they're massive and it's about getting your body recovered as fast as you can so you can go back down and do more dives throughout the day. Just learning how to plan your dives throughout the whole day instead of doing, for example, 10 massive dives for two or three minutes, like, you know, if you can go that far. I'd rather do 20, 30, 40, 50 dives of 45 seconds to a minute and you're actually going to most likely see more stuff and, and just, yeah, 
that's my take on it. But yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. I was hoping that my breath hold would in- improve. I think it will do with the course because I stress so much. You know, past that certain limit, at least I'll be relaxed, and then I can just enjoy the ride. No, I definitely. Well, it's a good thing to do. So it was a couple of things I watched some videos this morning. We we're talking about before we started recording filming on your own. The dramas of that. I mean, what problems have you had to encounter and get around on your own? Yeah, I mean, you've just got to just try and just take it as it comes, man. Every dive's different. Totally, it takes quite a while to get used to GoPros and all that stuff, man. It, it you you miss your best shots you've ever taken in your life. Most of them I don't have on film because that dream fish just swims past out of the middle of nowhere. But um, oh yeah, I've had a I've just. A few mirrors, but nothing crazy, man. Yeah, nothing crazy, really. Oh, yeah. So the two things I've encountered a lot of is one, we formatted a card with the footage on by accident. Loved that one. So lost like a morning stalking of on Muntjac. And we missed some good stuff as well. I mean, I missed two Muntjac that morning. I made some big mistakes. And I know it's embarrassing to put that up on the internet, but in the show, that would have been a perfect, like, you know, this is what's called hunting and not killing, you know. Yeah, totally, man. And the second one is batteries. Just a nightmare with batteries. Guaranteed. I was like, yeah, I'll get a few more minutes out of this. And then something happens. It's like, dead. Shit. Yeah, fogging up in the dive housing, um, which you only really need GoPros these days if you're going past 10 metres. Otherwise, they're pretty good. Yeah, new ones are good, aren't they? Otherwise, um, yeah, remember to bring that memory card. Yeah, I've definitely lost a few trips just from absolutely, yeah. Not bringing the memory card, simple as that, man. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm really impressed with, and it's something that I'm going to do hopefully this year. I had a bit of a play last year, and it didn't work out for me, and I think I know why, but what your take on it was you use a kayak a lot, get out somewhere and then park up and go. So I noticed you've got the flag on your kayak, say someone's diving. Yep. Which I haven't done, so I need to do that. And secondly, how do you anchor it? You've got an anchor, you tie it down, hope it doesn't float off. Yeah, I've got a little kayak anchor, so I keep that up in the front well. It's connected to the front, ready to go, so if I get to a spot, I can just throw that in. But in general, I'm not using the anchor too much, so I connect my spare gun, pre-connect it with a float line to the front of the kayak, and then I jump over at a spot, and I just tow the kayak around. That acts as my fish float, everything all in one, and then depends what species you're hunting. If you're hunting pelagics, like yellowtail kingfish, you just drift off the current and whatnot you don't really need to anchor but if i'm hunting snapper uh, reef species or hunting crayfish i'll anchor up in a little bay where i'm working set it from burleys grabbing crays and work off it as a platform but um generally just tow it round. you'd be surprised um, how light they are in the water yeah that's what i tried with mine but i got in a bit of a snarl up with the line and, and one thing or another i attach it to myself not the gun you know i've done a few things horrendously wrong but I, th- I like the idea of having it with you because it's a giant safety line then, isn't it? Yeah, I love it, especially if you're by yourself. You just know it's it's always there. So if you do get sucked out with the current from the reef, rocks or anywhere where you're diving, you know you can jump on that kayak and you're, and you're safe. So it's um, I love it. Yeah, kayak fishing's awesome. Some of my best fish speared off a kayak, yeah. I think that's going to be the next try again is get out. and Also, you can get further out, can't you? You know, If you walk somewhere, you're sort of stuck in that area. Yeah, you've got the sweet spot. But people who walk off the beach, um, shore dive as we call it, they'll generally walk, you know, maybe a couple of k's max, first bay, second bay, if you're along the coast. You've got guys in boats and they will zoom straight past all those 
spots in between and go further afield to little islands or quite far down the coast thinking that's where they should go. So there's that sweet spot in the middle and that's where I find I do really well. So the kite's perfect for it, yeah. The last time I got out was a nice little spot down in Plymouth and it had an island not far off the, I say not far off, I mean it must have been like half a mile off the coast. I was like, and then someone went, oh yeah, there's bass there. I'm like, I can't get there, damn. And it was a big sort of like, yeah, I need to take it with me next time and then I can just paddle out, I can have a bit of grub with me if I want, I can have everything with me and then enjoy myself a little bit more rather than sort of sweating the small stuff. So what's next? So you obviously do a bit of hunting as well as uh, spearing. What's the big thing? So obviously, and obviously you're doing your recording, your videos and everything else. What's next for the videos? You got anything sort of planned, lined up? Yeah, well, I've just been, that's kind of um, prime time for hunting in New Zealand. Kind of autumn, it's when we have our raw, or the ruts, so all the, the red stags and the fallow deer, they're all doing their thing, mating, and, and it's prime time for hunting. So I've just been down in um, the bottom of New Zealand, Fiordland National Park. Um, it's beautiful country down there, big bush, um, hunting red stags. So I've just um, done a bit of filming and, and whatnot down there. So I've got a few videos in the pipeline and hunting a few fallow deer. Then I'm going to go back down south um, in a couple of weeks down to the South Island, New Zealand, and, and hunt the Himalayan tar. We've still got those up in the in the tops there. They're pretty beautiful animals and be fun hunting and, yeah, get down to the mountains, something different. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped, man. Yeah, I'm a little jealous of, and I say it, and I shouldn't be jealous, really, of the hunting you guys get, and even in America. I know America's a little bit different because you've got to get tags and there's a lot of rubbish that comes with the public hunting and everything else, but compared to the UK, it's so much more... I won't say civilised, but you can get out, you can camp, you know, you can hunt, you can move on if you wanted to in certain areas. Whereas in the UK, everything is privately owned. So you, you know, they've got to have permission or pay to do it. And I have to say, a little jealous. No, it's pretty wicked. There's little huts everywhere, all over the country. You can stay in or dock huts for $5 a night. But, mate, things are changing and um, it's not going to be like that forever. That's why I'm just going hard at the moment. I'm just booking trips and the, the way with gun laws and, and all sorts of PC stuff. It's inevitable that, yeah, stuff will change. So, um, yeah, I'm just, that's why I'm just, I'm just going absolutely hard while I can. <laughs> yeah, our laws are tightening up sort of yearly now, getting tighter and tighter. And it's legislation that will, will stop us here. Well, most of us anyway. But, you know, the good thing is, especially when it comes to the deer population, you know, our deer population is still rising by 30% each year. So they're going to struggle to stop us doing that. But the likes of game shooting, like pheasants or even pigeons, you know, we've got thousands and thousands of pigeons and yet we can only now shoot them for crop protection. It's just bonkers. Yeah, don't get me started the crap that's going down here as well yeah it's um it could be managed a lot better yeah it's not bad compared to a few places around the world but yeah there's um yeah it's not good and then like the, the tar i'm going to go hunt in a couple of weeks yeah they just did like a massive cull last year or the year before shot about seven thousand um it was two years ago wasn't it yeah but they're not talking properly with the deer associations and, and whatnot hunting associations to manage it properly so it's um things are going to change so yeah just got to enjoy it bro yeah yeah I've always said that, you know, the left hand never knows what the right's doing and they get the organisations that are supposed to be helping our cause and they're just helping themselves and it's just like, yeah, great. Thanks for that, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same page, yeah. Weird encounters. So when you've been doing either anything, what's the weirdest stuff you've uh, come across? People or animals or situations? <laughs> situations. Seen some pretty weird stuff. Um, probably on my travels on the, in the, the suit that I was working on. 
just trying to think back down to uh, Madagascar and stuff. We were all over the world, man. That was that was a pretty um, pretty eye-opening place. I'm just trying to yeah, it's just uh, there's been lots that's gone on in the last few years. I have to have a think about that one, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so you've done. So if I go, if you go onto YouTube, we'll see three different things you've been up to. So obviously you've got your hunting, you know, your straight, your stalking, and obviously the spearfishing, and also the catch and cook as well. I didn't get into that because I, I was running out of time. Do you enjoy doing the catch and cook stuff, or is it? I find when I've done anything like that, I've stressed massively and made a horrendous video. I do enjoy it because um, it's actually more than just making that video. Like it's actually yeah making myself go and, and stay on a beach or something and, and have that fire and stuff. That's, I mean, I don't know anyone that doesn't actually like that. There's very few people. That's a neat experience. So, um, yeah, I want to do more of that, and that's what people like to watch as well. Do you get your most views through that? Oh, it's a mixed bag, but um, I see other guys on the net. It seems to be a quite a big sector, yeah, kind of, that kind of scene. But um, Since COVID, everyone's sort of been in the whole zombie apocalypse. I'll learn to live and cook for myself and... It's made some quite interesting people in the world, really, some videos as well. Yeah, it's a hard one to pull off that you'd, um, you know, catch and cook for survival like all these guys use on the web and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's pretty abundant down here in New Zealand, so I'll keep it as catch and cook by itself. <laughs> so anti-hunters and stuff like that, obviously you've put, yourself, you've put your head above the parapet with the hunting and everything on YouTube. Have you had many haters contacting you and calling you a murdering bastard and everything else? Because I was humming and hurrying, I knew that would um, it's quite a bit more aggression with the hunting scene on YouTube and stuff compared to spearfishing. It's it's coming. Sparrows are getting a bit of grief these days, but not as much as the hunting. And um, no, I've, I mean, even with my spearing, I was thinking I'd get a bit more, especially after I, I speared a marlin a year ago, and that that's usually a, a big a big workup for the activists out there and stuff. But I had about one comment, so yeah, I'm sure it'll come eventually, man. Maybe my channel's just um, a bit too small at the stage. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it'll, it'll come, no doubt. Those, uh, there's a lot of those people on the internet. I've had I've had other sods through the Instagram stuff, and I've just always just tried to be polite and go, yeah, see point, but what about? And just try and sort of throw the onus back on them, really. Yeah, yeah, I've had a few, man. You just, you I just, you just can't engage. You just can't engage with morons because you just know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, you're just not. Yeah, you're, you're pissing into the wind. I've done a video that made a few people think. Um, when I first, sort of first started outdoor man, and uh, it was a case of I was clearing an orchard out, and it was like overgrown with brambles, and it was horrendous. And there's a lot of rabbits in there. And I I've done a video like, and then the, once the brambles were gone, because they wanted to use the apples, the rabbits start to ring the trees and kill the trees off. And I was like, so you're vegan and you want to have your organic apples, well, here's your organic apples. Here's the problem. The trees are now getting rung by the rabbits, so we've got to do pest control on the rabbits. So, yeah, you're doing a great thing by being vegan, but it still goes on. And it's just a little bit of a understanding, and people are like, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, sometimes it is worth engaging and teaching them something, but, um, yeah, most of the time they're out for a bloody... Just want an argument, and that's it, isn't it? Unfortunately, yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you for coming on, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been good. Likewise, Dan. Cheers, mate. If people want to find you, where are they going to find you? Yep, just search Ollie Craig on YouTube or Instagram, Facebook, Primal Pursuit. That's my clothing brand, primalpursuit.co.nz. But yeah, YouTube and Instagram is where I'm most active. Ollie Craig should pop up. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, dude. 
You've been listening to the Outdoor Man Podcast. We're glad you're here. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Find us on Twitter at Podcast Outdoor, on Instagram, Outdoor underscore Man underscore Podcast, on Facebook, Outdoor Man Podcast, and you can even reach us by email, dan at outdoorman.uk. Let us know your outdoor questions and be sure to tag us when you're outside living your best life. Until next time, be the example.